0: For listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. We are a local church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We are a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Your hands, you
1: hold the back before you get to Revelation. Third epistle of John, a short letter, only one chapter in this particular book of the Bible. It is a personal letter that is written by the Apostle John uh, to some individual folks in, uh, in the Church of Ephesus. And uh, we're going we're to take a look at that here in just a moment. I'd like to put up a picture on the video screen there. I want to introduce you to a person you may have heard of in the last couple of weeks in the news. Uh, this young man, his name is John Allen Chow a name that probably very few people knew uh, 30 days ago, but who is now uh, gaining um, notoriety and fame for something that happened just a couple weeks ago. (coughs) Excuse me. (coughs) Last week, he paid a group of fishermen to take him to the most dangerous place in the world, a place called the Sentinel Islands. Is a place that I've actually preached about in other uh, sermons. But I was amazed to hear that this young man, uh, uh, illegally, by the way, had to go around the law in order to get there. And the place, uh, the Sentinel Islands, the reason why it's so dangerous is because it is the home of a barbaric tribe known as the Sentinelese. They have a decades-long history of repelling outsiders And they are known to be extremely hostile to anyone who comes on their shores. That picture you're seeing on the left there is one of the very few rare known photos of the the people of the Sentinel Islands. Uh, This photo comes from a, a helicopter. So they're flying a helicopter over the island just to get an idea of who's there. And when the man sees the helicopter flying above, he's attempting to aim a bow and arrow at it. So in their culture, in their tribe, very little is known about them, but what we do know is that they don't like outsiders. They don't like visitors. They don't, any person who had ever tried to come ashore, they have either repelled them or killed them. For hundreds of years, these uh, people have lived in complete isolation on this island in the remote North Sentinel Island. It's in the Bay of Bombay. And the island is part of India's Andaman and Nicobar Island Territory. It's about the same size as Manhattan. So John Allen Chow, Chow was a young man who got saved in his teen, teenage years. When he was in high school, he first heard about this island of difficult and dangerous people. He was traveling on a tourist visa. Chow made up his mind that he was going to go and preach the gospel to these people. Uh, backwards people. He had one mission in his mind. He he cared about them and wanted to preach to them. He had traveled to this island years before, just on a sightseeing trip, and decided that uh, he wanted to return for the purpose of Christ. He hoped eventually to share the gospel with them, and perhaps translate the Bible. One of his friends had told him. He even kept a journal leading up to the days. That, uh, that, that he went into the I- uh, island. And in his journal, li- listen to what he says. After paddling in a kayak, uh, quote he, he uh, offered the inhabitants uh, fish, scissors, safety pins, and began to sing worship songs. Part of his di- diary is devoted to his impressions. He jotted down details of their language and gestures. Toward the end... He wondered to himself whether he should abandon his quest or whether he should return and risk the consequences. And this is, uh, this is directly from his journal. He said, I think I could be more useful alive. But to you, God, I give all the glory of whatever happens. He asked God to forgive any of the people on this island who try to kill me and especially if they succeed. Shortly after writing this journal entry, he rode a kayak back to the island. The inhabitants of that island took and destroyed his kayak and then killed him. The fishermen who had uh, delivered him to this island, they watched in horror as the people of that island dragged his body across the beach and began to bury him. Now I want to tell you, there's a lot of people angry about this account. In fact, when I first heard this story, uh, all it was, the headline of the story, as I listened on the radio, was that a man was killed on the Sentinel Islands. And I thought to myself, oh, that's interesting. I know about the Sentinel Island." But they didn't say anything that he was a missionary, that he was trying to preach the gospel. They just said a man. A man was killed. The Indian officials who provide a cover for the island... Uh, They are angry that he uh, was not following the laws, uh, the local laws, and that they endangered the group of tribesmen. I've even heard some backlash from Christians asking why would he do this without any support, from a church or from a missionary organization or without any permission from another pastor or from a... But I want to tell you someone who's not angry about this. God's not angry about this. Jesus is not angry about this. His family, in fact, released a letter to the press over the weekend. And in this letter that they released, his uh, friend's family, they publicly forgave the islanders for their evil action. And I want to tell you that what John Allen Chow did last week was 100% approved by heaven. And today he is being celebrated in glory. And I want to use his example this morning to inspire you, because what he did was heroic and should inspire every Christian to get off their lazy bums and do something for God. In this scripture we're about to read, we can find the heart of God in the same way that we found it in the story of John Allen Chow. And I want to encourage you this morning, read along with me. In 3 John, there's only one chapter We're looking at verses 13 and 14. Here's John, again, speaking in a personal letter to some folks in the church of Ephesus. And this is what he says. He says, I had many things to write. Everybody say many things. things. I had many things to write. But I do not wish to write to you with pen and ink. But I hope to see you shortly. And we shall speak face to face. Peace to you. Our friends greet you. Greet the friends by name. Father, we come this morning by the blood of Jesus. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you for the truth of the gospel. We thank you for the hope and the peace that we find with God through the power of Christ and his forgiveness. I'm praying this morning that you would inspire a group of people here whose hearts would be lifted up, God, to do all that you've called us to do. I'm praying, God, that we would not become comfortable not become comfortable in our faith, in our, in our ease, in our, in our wealth, and in our society. I'm praying, God, that you would stir us up to action once again, that we would be a church on fire for you, filled with the Holy Spirit and bold in our witness. We thank you this morning that you would fill this place with your presence and your power, and we give you glory in Jesus' mighty name. God's people would say, amen. A message I've titled this morning, The Missionary Message. And I want to begin with that idea that is found in our scripture when John is writing a simple letter. And as I was reading this chapter in my daily Bible reading plan, uh, I've looked at this this, uh, chapter many times before. I've looked at this book, the letter that the Apostle John wrote. But when I looked at it this time, having this story in mind, my mind began to explode with the meaning behind these words. The first thing that we read this morning in verse 13, John expresses his desire. He says, I had many things to write to you. I have many things I want to share with you. I have a heart that is filled with a message of hope for you. In this short letter, the apostle is dealing with some important issues. And yes, it's, uh, it's helpful for us to know what those are. Uh, But that's not the sermon this morning. As he is concluding this letter, he is sharing something that's on his heart. He says, I still have many things to write to you. And as he says this, he is expressing the heart of every good leader in the kingdom of God. Every good pastor, every good shepherd, every good father, every good mother has many things they want to share with those that are under their care. Maybe you can remember when you were a kid, when parental authority in your life sat you down. Son, I have some important things I want to tell you. Mm -hmm. Didn't you always love those talks? Not much, right? (laughs) Dad, I know. Mom, I know. you got to tell me all this stuff, but I don't really want to hear it. Right? That's the heart, though, of every good pastor, every good leader, every good father, every good, uh, those who are in authority, They want to do more than just exercise their control and their power. They want to share their heart. And this, as I read it, reminded me so much of the heart of God. The heart of God who has the, the, the desire to share with us many things. You know, there is a God in heaven, and he does not wish to remain silent in our lives. Did you know that? God wants to talk to you. God wants to share things with you. He wants to speak to you. He wants to reveal his heart to you. This is the, the same heart that beat in the, in the chest of Jesus as he's at the Last Supper. He's preparing to go to the cross. He's finished three years of ministry on earth, and he's sitting there with his disciples on the last night, and his, what, some of his last words that he says to them, in John 16, 12, I still have many things to say to you. I still have so much I want to tell you. There's so many wonderful things about the kingdom that I haven't been able to share yet. Can I tell you, this is what's going to be exciting about heaven. That God will have an endless, eternal supply of things to tell you about. This is why 10,000 years from now, Jesus is going to sit down on his his couch and he's going to tell you something. That blows your mind. That we will never get tired of hearing his stories, his teachings, his revelations, his power. We'll never get tired of listening to the lessons, to the parables. Can you imagine what it would have been like to sit at the feet of Jesus and hear him teach? And hear him share from his heart? And even after all those three years of ministry that those disciples had, he says, I still have many things. Doesn't that stir you up this morning? Doesn't it make you wonder what it is that God wanted to share? What it is that he wanted to tell us? We see this all the way back in the Garden of Eden, that apparently before the sin of man, before the fall, that God would come down with them, that God himself would speak to Adam and Eve in their innocence before the sin had corrupted them. And God would walk with them side by side in the cool of the day and begin to share His heart. I want to tell you, Adam, how you can plant those fields and cause the crops to grow. I want to tell you how you can take this little puppy dog and you could train him to be your best friend. Could you imagine the kinds of things that God could have taught Adam in the garden? If only he would not have fallen in his sin. And here what we see is that rebellion to God Rebellion to his, uh, against his laws, what it always does is it causes a breakdown of communication. See, when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, one of the first things they did was what? They ran and they hid. And when you are running and hiding from someone, you definitely don't want to hear them talk to you. One of the downfalls of the, of, of the sin that they rebelled against God was all of a sudden now it was very much, very, it was so much harder for them to hear instructions from God. Amen. They could no longer walk with Him as they did before. Their sin caused a breakdown of communication. This is also true with human relationships. And when you hurt somebody, when you, when you violate trust, when you are uh, at odds with someone or in anger and rebellion against someone, what happens is there's a breakdown of communication. I can no longer hear what you're trying to say and you can no longer hear what I'm trying to say. This is what the human condition has come to. and Because of our sins, beloved, we are separated from a holy God. God is up in heaven and he has so many things he wants to share with you. Not just you, but with all the world. Even with these barbaric tribes people. God, I don't know the name of this little boy. He looks to me like he's maybe 17 years old. Can I tell you, God wants to speak to him? God wants to reveal himself to that boy who's pointing a bow and arrow at a helicopter. Pointing a bow and arrow at everything that could help him. Destroying any. A chance of hope that could come to his shores, God wants to speak to him. Since the rebellion, God is not able to speak to man the way that he really wants to. And so, because, uh, because God can't, can't come down in the cool of the day and put his arm around us, because he's so holy, and because we have rebelled against him there's a breakdown of communication. But does that mean that God sits up on His throne in heaven with arms folded and saying, ha, let's see what happens? Far from it. God has resorted to other means of communication. Aren't you glad this morning? I want to tell you the four C's of revelation. The first one is creation. God is revealed through His creation. They say, if you want to know something about a painter you need to look at his paintings. They say if you want to learn something about a sculptor, then you need to look at his sculptures. If you want to know about the Creator this morning, then you need to take a very close look at creation itself. Psalm 19, verse 1, The heavens tell of the glory of God. The skies display His marvelous craftsmanship. Day after day they continue to speak. Night after night they make Him known. They speak without a word or a sound. Their their voice is silent in the skies. Yet their message has gone out to all the earth and their words to all the world. That's why, beloved, that's why that man is without excuse. It tells us in Romans that since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes, His eternal power, and divine nature are clearly seen being understood through what has been made. And the Apostle Paul tells us, so that we are without excuse. So if someone ever asks you, well, okay, what about about that that African bushman who never heard the name of Jesus, who never had a Bible in his hand, is God going to send him to hell too if he doesn't repent? The answer is, even though he never had a Bible, even though he never heard the name of Jesus... Every person who has lived on this earth has the knowledge of creation. At some point in your life, you have let your eyes wander up to a beautiful night sky where the moon is shining brilliantly, the stars light years away, but you can still see them and you can still observe their beauty and you can still feel how small you are in the midst of everything that this universe has to offer and you can begin to contemplate who made all of this. And right there, God begins to speak, doesn't he? Without knowing the name of Jesus and without ever having a Bible in your hand, creation can still speak. The second C of revelation is one that's inside of you this morning. It's your conscience. The conscience is a funny thing, isn't it? That we have desires to, to, uh, to do things that are not right in our lives. We have this, this sinful nature that we've inherited from the very first Man and woman on the earth, Adam and Eve, they've passed to us through the bloodstream the nature of sin. And that's why you never have to train a child how, how, to, how to sin, how to lie, right? You don't have to train that. It's pre-programmed. You never have to train the child how to steal things. Now, you could probably train them to steal better. You wouldn't want to do that. But they already know how to steal, don't they? They already see if there's a dollar on your nightstand and then you walk by a few minutes later and it's gone. Don't be looking for a burglar. There's somebody in your house. (laughs) Your children know how to steal. They know the value of money. They know that they could buy something with it. And so they're hoping that nobody's going to notice. Right? It's a sinful nature. We are not basically good. God created us to be good, but we messed it up. But it's interesting to me that even though we have this proclivity to sin, we have this natural-born desire to do wrong, there's another force at work inside of you, and it's called your conscience. That even though you simply follow your, your fleshly desires, the things you've been pre-programmed to do, it's so amazing to me, Amen. after the fact, something begins to stir inside your heart. Amen. A guilt, a fear of judgment, I'm so amused by some of these YouTube videos that I've seen, even in dogs. Have you seen those videos where, where, where somebody comes home from work, they open the door, and there's some, you know, the trash has been spilled over, and the dog is picked through everything. And the, the owner of the dog begins to point his camera at the dog, and it's like, Chester, what did you do? And the dog begins to, whoo, his tail between the legs, begins like scurrying away. What is that? That's a sense of a conscience, isn't it? If it's true in a dog, how much more so in the life of a human being? How much more so when you, you know, when you hurt somebody, You, you know, some people whose conscience are seared can hurt people and don't even think about it. But that's not usually the way it works. Usually, if you speak a word that hurts people, something begins to happen inside of you. I shouldn't have said that. What was I thinking? That was really dumb. And what what happens is that conscience that's inside of you begins to turn you and steer you back to the knowledge of God. It says it in Romans 2, verse 14, when Gentiles, this is, in other words, non-believers, those who uh, do not have the law, and yet they instinctively do the things of the law, these not having the law are a law to themselves in that they show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience bearing witness, and their thoughts alternately accusing or else defending. And I want to declare this to you, that even these sentinelies who live on this abandoned island, I want to tell you, something happens inside of them when they shoot a a bow and an arrow at at a young man who's simply trying to bring them some gifts and and the knowledge of Christ. I'm absolutely positive that somewhere deep inside of them, They're thinking to themselves, that was wrong. Something was wrong about that. And that is a gift from God, isn't it? That is another way that God begins to speak to man. Even without a Bible, even without the name of Jesus being preached, he has put inside of every man a conscience. Let your conscience be your guide, like Jiminy Cricket said. The third source of revelation this morning is what I call the canon. The canon of Scripture, the the word canon simply means the library. John said in, uh, uh, excuse me, John 20, verse 31, this is Jesus speaking. These things are written that you may believe. No, 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 this is John speaking, sorry. These things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. We have in our hands, how many got a Bible here this morning? Let me lift it up, let me see it. Maybe an e-Bible. An app Bible. (laughs) Can you imagine how many people wished that they could have what you have in their hands? How many generations dreamed of the day that they could read the scriptures for themselves in their own language? For generations, this Bible, this miracle book that God has preserved through the generations... There are so many people who don't have it. And yet God reveals himself through the canon of Scripture. God reveals himself at the beginning, in the middle, and at the end. I want to tell you that this Bible is a source of great revelation if you'll read it. Jesus has many things that he still wants to say. God still has many things to say to this broken world. I'm going to tell you what the fourth one is in just a minute here. John Allen Chow modeled the heart of God because I believe he had a few things to say to these lost, broken souls. From his letter, he said he wanted to tell them there was hope in Christ. He wanted to translate the Bible to them. He wanted their darkened hearts to open. But because they couldn't communicate, what did they do? They destroyed the messenger. Isn't this exactly the same story of what happened when Jesus came? When Jesus came to deliver the message of God, and He is the fourth C, by the way, the fourth sea of Revelation is Christ Himself. When these other three methods failed, the, when the creation wouldn't speak to man, when his conscience was, was seared and unable to be listened to, when the canon of Scripture was still not enough to convince man of his wickedness. Then God said, I'll send my own son. I'll send my son, Jesus Christ. And what did the world do with Jesus? Destroyed him, Just like it destroyed John Allen. Chow. Now here's where we turn back to our scripture in 3 John, verse 13. He says, I still have many things to say to you, but... I do not wish to write with you, write to you with pen and ink. But listen what he says. I hope to see you shortly, and we shall speak face to face. Here the Apostle John, as he's writing this letter, he says, Oh, so many things I want to tell you about. So many things that are on my heart. So much instruction that I want to give to you. But I can't now. I can't do that with pen and ink. So here's my wish. I'm going to stop the the letter that I'm writing, and I'm coming there myself. I'm going to share my message with you face to face. Ink on paper is not able to do what I want to do in your midst. This is the same heart of God that sent his own son, that God has so much instruction and blessing and healing that he had for the human race. And he says, all of my prophets, I sent them. You killed them all. All the times I showed myself through the glory of creation, but you would not hear. All the times that you sinned and turned against me, and your conscience began to preach in the silence of your mind, but even that you would not hear. And so God says, I will send my own son, hopefully, that you will listen to him. That is the fourth C of the revelations. Christ Himself came. Hebrews 1, verse 1, God who at various time and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken to us by His own Son whom He has appointed heir of all things. John 1, verse 18, the only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him. Or another translation says He has made Him Known, Jesus said, John 14, verse 9, if you have seen me, you have seen the what? The Father. He said, if you have seen me, if you've heard me preach, you have heard the voice of the Father. He is the ultimate revelation of God in heaven. Jesus came to proclaim God face to face. As John expressed, I can't do it through a letter. I have to speak to you. Face to face. God, in the same way, desires that his message would be carried face to face. Now, this is where you get involved this morning. Can I tell you that there's still a few sinners in Virginia Beach? There's still a few people, probably more than a few, who don't know him. And even if they know his name, they really don't know who he is. There's a, uh, there's a whole lot of people, a whole lot of backsliders in America who've been to church, who've been to Sunday school, who know what the canon of Scripture says. They've heard preaching. But like Jesus says, they're going to stand before him one day and say, Lord, Lord, don't you know we, we've done all these things in your name? And he says, yeah, but I don't know who you are. And God still wants to speak to them. God still wants to share his heart with them. God still wants to have relationship with them. Jesus has gone to be with the Father. And what has he left in his place? He has left the church. That's you. You are his hands, you are his feet, you are his mouth. And the desire that God has is not just to speak through a letter, not just to speak through an email, Not just to speak through a radio station. Thank God for all those things. But the heart of God is to speak face to face. That's why church is powerful. That's why TV church doesn't work. (laughs) Not in the same way. Jesus, his desire and the heart of John is the same as the heart of God. If you want to get through, you've got to speak face to face. I could throw in a little truth here about social media. Social media, it's good for some things. It's good for keeping up with people and seeing their pictures. And Can I tell you what it's not good for? It is not good for conversations. It's not good for arguments. I want to I warn you, next time you see a post on there that riles your blood, don't start typing. You're about to destroy something you know what you ought to do? Pick up the phone. Call the person and talk to them. Or better, knock on their door. Say, hi, could I, could I possibly talk to you about that? No, I don't want to talk about it. Okay, no problem. I'll pray about it. Do you know how many relationships would still be around today if people would treat social media the way it's supposed to be treated? <laughs> Instead of trying to work out problems and And change people's minds. Can I tell you, if you're trying to change somebody's mind on social media, you are going to fail. Whose mind has ever been changed on social media? Very few. See, minds are changed. Hearts are changed through conversation. Hearts are changed through the preaching of the word of God. Hopefully, your heart is stirred as you're hearing a face-to-face message this morning. Also, let me throw in right here. This is why prayer is so critical for every Christian. Do you know what prayer is? Prayer is the time that you and God can come together for face-to-face. Now, I know it's not the same because, you know, you're you're speaking in an empty room. The Holy Spirit is speaking through you and to you. But prayer is the face-to-face conversation that you can have with God. And if you don't have a prayer life, beloved, you're not communicating directly to God. You can hear His message through a preacher. You can read the message in the Word of God. But I want to tell you, your prayer life is critical. Because that is where God is able to speak to you face to face. This missionary, John Allen Chow, he realized, he understood that it's going to take more than just beaming a radio station into this island. It's going to take more than dropping pamphlets from the sky. It's going to take more. It's going to take a face to face I wonder, do you realize that this morning? Do you realize that there are people in your life that you are the only one who's a Christian? You're the only one who's really living for God that they know. The the, the darkness around us is getting darker and darker every day. There's fewer and fewer true believers. I know that in America we have almost 80% of the population that professes Christianity. You want to know how many people claim that they read the Bible on a regular basis? 14%, George Barna, 14% said that they've, only 5% say that they've ever read entirely through the whole Bible. So even though we have a lot of people professing Christianity, we have very few who are actually living the life. You know what I'm talking about? And that's exactly what Jesus said. Few there will be who will enter because the way is straight and narrow. Wide and broad is the road that leads to destruction. The righteous have always been a a minority, but I want to tell you, you and I need to have a missionary message, a heart that beats to go into neighborhoods, into your workplace, into your schoolhouse, into the gas station, into the grocery store, and not just to pass a flyer. We have flyers. It's very good for giving people information, but a flyer never changed anybody's life. A flyer never made a convert. A flyer never made a disciple. That's what you do. As representatives of God, we, like John Allen Chow, must carry the message of God. And as I was thinking about this account, you know, we just got back from a, what we called a missionary journey to Nigeria. And I'm thinking, we've been patting ourselves on the back because we stayed in an air-conditioned hotel. And we got carted around on bumpy roads. What a sacrifice we made. I want to tell you, that's the missionary heart right there. Can you catch a piece of that in your soul this morning? Let's close and think about the purpose of the missionary message. And that is also in this conclusion to this letter that John wrote to the church in Ephesus. He says, again, I hope to see you shortly. We shall speak face to face. And these are some of his final words. He says, peace to you. Can you say the word peace this morning? Peace to you. In the Hebrew, in the Jewish tradition, people of, uh, people of uh, Jewish heritage, they always greet one another with the same word. You know what it is in Hebrew? It's shalom. It's a greeting. It's also a way of saying goodbye. That's how they greet one another. Shalom, nice to see you. Or when they're saying goodbye, we'll see you next week, shalom, peace to you. The the word shalom is actually integrated into the name of their capital city, Jerusalem. The jeru of of that word means city. And the salem comes from the same word, shalom, the city of peace. And even in the last few weeks, we've been seeing that there's not a whole lot of peace happening there, right? Missiles being lobbed. The Iron Dome is protecting. The Israeli Defense Forces have to protect. It's a a mad scene there. There's been very little peace in that city throughout all of history. And yet the name of the capital, City of Peace, Jeru Shalom. What is it? What does this greeting mean? What what is the, the, the heartbeat of that word, Shalom, peace to you? John says, yes, I know. If you read the rest of this chapter, you'll find that they're dealing with some crazy problems. They're dealing with a leader who's trying to take power for himself away from the church. He's trying to puff himself up, and John is instructing them on how to deal with him. But his ultimate goal and his wish for them is this. Peace. Peace be to you. Can I tell you that's probably the same thing that John Allen Chow would say? Peace to you. I know that you've come pointing a bow at me, a spear at me, but my wish for you is peace. This is so much more than just a hello, so much more than just a slogan. What this is ultimately, the desire for shalom, is the desire for an entire world at peace with one another and at peace with God. We've never had it except in the garden for a very short time. One day, Jesus is going to come back and fix this place. And on that day, there will be a new heaven and a new earth and a new Jerusalem that comes down from God to be on the earth. And at that point, yes, finally, there will be shalom. But until that day comes, it is your job and mine to seek the peace of the world. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. You want to be like Jesus? The best way is to be a peacemaker. One who brings the spirit of shalom wherever you go. Someone that you feel safe in their presence. That's shalom. You you can always tell a church where the Holy Spirit lives, right? You know why? Because you feel good there you feel safe. You feel the presence of God. You feel the presence of God's people. You feel a sense of this idea, shalom, where we are at peace. Where yeah, we may have arguments from time to time. We may have disagreements, but you know, at the end of the day, we're brothers and sisters. We're family of God. That's what we find. That's God's desire for the home, that a mother and a father can have peace, shalom, with one another. And they'd not constantly be bickering and complaining and t- tagging one another that between parents and children, that there could be shalom in a house. This is what God has designed for the human race. Can I tell you anything other than shalom is stressful, man. It's messed up. It, it causes uh, anger and frustration. Maybe you're at your job, there's a whole lack of shalom at your job. So who brings it? The missionary message brings it. People like John Allen Chow bring the message of shalom. It's a longing for the world as God intended it to be. And whose job is it to bring that message? It's yours. A place where men are at peace with one another. A place where nations are no longer at war. A place where tribes and tongues no longer look at each other with the side eye. But most important of all, the most important peace is the peace between God and us. The peace that had been lost in the garden. The peace that can only be brought through the greatest missionary of all time. That is the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who shed his blood. Why? So that you and I could experience peace with God. The Bible tells us that apart from God, that we are all sinners, that we are all at enmity with God. That means we are his enemies apart from Christ. We come into this world being enemies of heaven, enemies of the kingdom. And I want to tell you, any enemy of God, it's not a good place to be. Have you tried, ever tried to argue with God? It doesn't work very well. He wins every argument. He is the only undefeated superhero of all creation. He never loses a battle. And yet we fight against him every day. You fight against him. In his will for your life, you fight against him when it's time to pray. You fight against him when it's time to read your Bible. You fight against him, and we all do. The ultimate peace that Jesus provided on the cross is the peace between God and man. And that's what we can experience today. If you'd stop fighting, if you'd stop running, if you'd stop hiding and say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner, I've fallen so short. Jesus paid the price. He did what John Allen Chow did. What a perfect picture. Jesus came to the world. He came only bearing the the message of God of peace and hope and forgiveness. The world rejected him. Even on the cross as Jesus was hanging, he prayed for those people who persecuted him. And he said, Lord, Lord, they don't know what they're doing. Forgive them for this wrong. Even in the letter that John Allen Chow wrote before he went into this island, he said, Lord, don't hold them responsible for what they might do to me. The heart of God. I wonder, is that in you this morning? Part of me wants to drop a nuclear bomb on that island. But that's not what God wants. God wants shalom. God wants to speak to those people. That should be your heart this morning. When you have crazy people in your life doing crazy things, you realize this morning they're not your enemy. The enemy might be in them, but they are not the enemy. The heart of every Christian here this morning ought to be a desire for shalom. To bring the peace of God to a lost and dying world. That is the missionary heart. That is what you should get excited about when you look at a map. That is what you should get excited about on Thursday and Friday night of conference. Thank God that a piece of shalom is going to a new area. As we go out from this place today, you have an opportunity to share the message of Christ in a lost and dying world. Very few of us will have the high honor of dying for our Savior like John Allen Chow did. But I wonder, would you die daily to him? Would you give your body as a sacrifice? Would you this morning, instead of living for your own desires and purposes in life, would you surrender your heart? Would you, like in Romans 12, offer your body a living sacrifice, which is our reasonable service? To the kingdom of God Let's bow our heads this morning Close our eyes as we consider The missionary message
0: We thank you again for listening Do you want to receive updates From our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up At our website vvph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you Would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website at vbph.org and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.